0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back for this week's episode of the Practical Parsha Podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you are well. So much to talk about in this week's Parsha; it's almost hard to pick which ideas to share with you on the Practical Parsha Podcast. Before we begin, if you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to rate, review, share it with your friends. Help spread Torah. Additionally, you might also like my other podcast on Pirkei You could search for it by looking in the show notes or by looking for the Pirkei podcast. And as always, if you have questions, you have comments, or you just wanna say hello. Really, just say hello, introduce yourself. I'll be happy to hear from you. I love getting feedback. My email address is rabbi shlomo Cohen, kohn, K O H N, at gmail.com, or you can look in the show notes below. This week's Parsha is Parshas Noach. And the claim to fame for Parshas Noach is the story of Noach, Noah, and the flood, how the generation of the flood becomes immoral and they sin and they get to a certain point where Hashem, where God feels he has to destroy the entire generation and start again with Noach and his descendants. Additionally, in this week's Parsha, aside from the story of the flood and the people of that generation and Noah building the ark, the Teva, as well as him being on the ark with all the animals and and him coming out of the ark, sending the raven, sending the dove, eventually finding dry land, the Parsha also describes to us how Noah comes out of the, of the ark and restarts humanity. But aside from that, the Parsha tells us about the descendants of Noah and the 70 nations, as well as a story of the Tower of Babel and its subsequent dis- destruction and dispersion of the people. We're gonna discuss a little bit later in the episode about the Tower of Babel how this generation of people, this group of people, they tried to do war, to make a, a war with God, to build this tower, to go up and to battle with Hashem, and how Hashem changed their language and dispersed them throughout the entire world. Finally, the Parsha finishes by listing the generations from Noach to Avram Avinu. And this, the end of this week's Parsha and the end of this week's Parsha is really a segue into the story of Avram Avinu Abraham, which will continue next week, God willing, with Parshas Lech Lecha. The first idea I want to share with you today focuses in on Noah. Noah. Now, if you listen to the rebroadcast of last year's episode, which I've been dropping every week, the rebroadcast of the previous year's Parsha, practical Parsha podcast, you heard my question, the discussion about Noah, that this question always bothered me for many years, is that we see, on one hand, Noah is referred to as someone who is a righteous person. The Parsha starts off, Ela told us, Noah, Noach is reisav, These are the offspring of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, perfect in generations. Noah walked with God. Right? And... The Torah is talking on Noah. The Torah is telling us that Noah was a righteous person. But at the same time, the Parsha has subtle criticisms of Noah that maybe he should have been better. Maybe he, he wasn't as righteous as people from other generations. And in last year's episode and the rebroadcast, I discussed this point. You'll have to go to listen to it. I'm not gonna spoil it for you here. But the idea is that we see that there's this dichotomy where on one hand, Noah is referred to as a very righteous person, you know, and, and, and it's not just the first verse in this week's parsha, it's in last week's parsha as well. It says, <laughs> that Noah Beine Hashem, that Noach found grace in the eyes of, of God. But at the same time, there seems to be this subtle criticism. And one of the criticisms which are which Rashi points out to us in the Pusuk is that when the Torah is telling us about the story of Noah, how he gathered all the animals to go on to the, to the Teva, to the Ark, and the rain starts to, to pour, it starts softly, the Medras tells us, to give people a chance to still do Teshuvah. It didn't start with a massive flood, it started softly and slowly progressed to get harder and harder. Now the Pusuk tells us the details of of the story of how and when Noah and his family entered the Ark. The Pesach reads, The Pesach says, the verse tells us, Noah, with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives, with him, went into the Ark because of the waters of the flood. And the key words here are because of the waters of the flood. Mipnei mehamabo. If you look at Rashi, Rashi tells us, Mipnei mehamabo. He's going on the words, because of the waters of the mabo. <mipnei> Af <mehamabu> noach mik'tanei Even Noah, he came from the generation, which was a very low generation, but even Noah, it somehow affected him that he was a, a person who had this, didn't have full amunah, didn't have full faith in Hashem. Because even though Hashem said, that he's going to bring a mobble, he's, he's going to bring a flood, and Noah prepared for that. He built this ark to prepare himself and his family to survive it. He still had this doubt inside of him. And Rashi continues, <laughs> He believed, but yet he didn't believe that the mobble, that the flood would happen. <laughs> and he only entered the ark until when the water came to a point where it forced him to go into the ark to take refuge. Now, this Rashi is very interesting. You know, again, we see Noach was a tzaddik. He was a tzaddik. He was a righteous person. But yet at the same time, he seems to be subtly criticized for only going into the the ark when he was forced to go into the ark. And what does this mean that Rashi tells us, mamin mamin. He believed, but he didn't believe. Which one is it? How do you have both at once? How do you believe and not believe? You could either believe or not. Which one is it? What does Rashi mean to tell us that he believed, but he did not believe? The stapler gone brings down that there's a, very important psychological insight that we can gain from this Rashi, from what Rashi's trying to teach us. We know Noah was a perfect tzaddik, but at the same time, how can a perfect tzaddik be lacking in faith? How could he not believe, right? It doesn't make sense. We're going back to our original question. So he says as follows. There's two types of knowing. There's intellectual knowledge, and there's emotional knowledge. And the example that I saw brought down from Rabbi Tversky to really bring out this point of the difference between intellectual knowledge and emotional knowledge is imagine for a moment that there's an area where there's a radiation warning. But yet at the same time, there's something you desire inside of that area where there's high levels of radiation. You know, whatever it is, let's say there's a million dollars inside this house that has high levels of radiation, or maybe it's a hundred million dollars. Let's make it juicier. You know, so there could be people who, there could be people who will take the risk to go into the house and get the hundred million dollars because they desire it enough. And the, the risk that they see of this radiation, they don't see it. So since they don't see it, they'll risk the exposure to this radi- radiation to get what they want. At the same time, if there's a same person who has the same desire for this hundred million dollars and it's inside a burning house, he's not gonna go and get it. No same person is going to run into this burning inferno to grab something he desires. Because you see, you understand that if you run into there you're not coming out. And that's a difference between intellectual knowledge and emotional knowledge. Because although we can understand that radiation is dangerous and even could be lethal, the desire that we have for something can overpower that that knowledge. Fire on the other hand is understood emotionally. We understand what a burning house is and the danger that presents to us. So the temptation to go in there to get that money will be held back by this understanding we have about what fire is. This answer helps us understand about Noach and really about human psychology. Because Noach was perfectly righteous. He was a tzaddik. But the knowledge that he had of Hashem was on an intellectual level. He didn't necessarily have that emotional understanding, that emotional knowledge um, of belief in Hashem, or maybe he wasn't on that level of emotional knowledge. That it's a step up, and that doesn't make him not a tzaddik. He was perfectly righteous where he was on this intellectual level, but the next step of having this emotional emotional awareness, where there's an extra level of understanding, where it's it's like the fire where you see it coming out and you totally understand the risks that it poses to you. He didn't necessarily have that. And the way I want to really bring this out to us, how we can relate to this point, especially in the times that we're living in, we study a lot. That's the nature of the Jewish people. We're called the people of the book. And there's many values that are inculcated to us from our youth. You know, the first words, that we teach children about Hashem, about God right away. We teach them the Shema, We teach them values, right? It doesn't, you know, how religious you are or not religious. We always give over these Jewish values to our children. And we, ourselves, you know, imbibe, you know, from the time we're we're, we're a baby, these values. And hopefully it's Torah values. But the point is, is that throughout our life, we have different ideas, different principles, different morals that we take in. And the real test becomes when the sort of the rubber hits the pavement when life happens and the the question is is that are we going to take those principles those morals those ideals and put them into practice right so we talk about belief in hashem we talk about trusting in hashem We're talking about faith in hashem Right, These are all things which you learn about in yeshiva. But the question is that when you're tested and when something happens, so now are you going to put those principles into action? Because that's how you get to that higher level of understanding, the higher level in emunah, the higher level in bitachon, which is trust in Hashem, trust in God. Because just knowing, having faith on an intellectual level is not going to help a person when... Life happens. It has to be that when life happens, you put the principles that you've learned, the principles of the Torah, that the things that we know to be true in our mind, that there's Hashem, there's a God, that there's a plan in the world, that He's going to take care of us, that we're going to be okay. We have to put it into action and to to really inculcate it into ourselves and to internalize it, that we should live that way. We shouldn't just say one thing and live another way. We have to take the principles that we've learned and that we've talked about our whole lives and put it into practice. The second idea I wanted to share with you today focuses in on the story of the Tower of Babel, the Tower of Babel. And what happened is that the generation, they decided that they wanted to wage war against Hashem. And the way that they're going to do this is that they're going to build a tower to go up and fight God. And the Torah tells us that the people, they all came together um, and they built this tremendous tower. And the Midrashim tell us about the height and the, the, the prowess of this massive building. And Hashem made them confused. He made them mixed up. Because until this point in time, all of humanity had one language. And Hashem changed all their languages, that now all the workers, all the people that were working together on this project, that when one guy would ask for a hammer, he would pass him a saw. And when one guy would want a wrench, he would pass him a hammer. And it started confusion and fights, and they just started killing each other, and everyone got dispersed. The whole generation of that Tower of Babel, Tower of Babel, they were spread out through all the whole world, and actually that's why the land of Babel, Babel, means is tr- is called Babel because Bavloi means mixed up. Because that's where Hashem mixed everyone up because he created new languages there, which caused this whole tower of Babel to come down. And the, the question is, is that this generation, their punishment was to be spread out all over the all over the world. And we know from the beginning of the Parsha, the generation of the flood, they had other sins that they did. Um, they, they, they were immoral, they committed robbery, murder, and they were destroyed. So the question is, is that why did this generation, the Tower of Babel, seems like they got off easy, they got off scot-free, they only got it, they only got spread out, they didn't get destroyed And there's a tremendous um, lesson that we can take out from that generation of the Tower of Babel. That although they went to do something against God to build this tower to fight Hashem, they were speared in their punishment because they all came with unity. They got along with each other. They didn't fight. They were united. And because of that, Since they got along, they didn't argue, they didn't fight, they were all together on one mission, so therefore the punishment was not as severe as it could have been for a nation that fights against Hashem, fights against God. And the lesson here is that we know from numerous sources in the Talmud that if the Jewish people, even if, God forbid, we're sinning, we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, if we have unity, so then... Hashem says I can't punish the Jewish people. Now obviously doesn't mean we should live in sin, but the point is, is the power of achdos, the power of getting along with each other. And We know, mentioned this before, that the Beis HaMikdash, the temple, was destroyed because of sinas chinam, hatred, free hatred, the baseless hatred, where people couldn't get along with each other. And the only way we're going to get it back is if we have avas chinam, overflowing love. And, and the point is, is that you know, unfortunately, we've gone through so many tragedies and disasters, and we need to come together. And on, the one thing which we do see now, talking about current events, is that Hamas accomplished something which no Jewish person could have accomplished in the whole entire world. Not the greatest rabbi, not the most eloquent speaker. They got the whole Jewish people to come together in such a way that no one else could have. Obviously it's still a tragedy what happened. But the point is that why do we need these lessons, these type of situations to bring us together? We had, and, and it, that's one point. We shouldn't we should try to realize how much we're the same and not how we're different. You know it doesn't mean you have to agree with everybody, but we have to have this achdus. We have to realize. That we're one. Because the nations of the world, that's how they view us. You know, I once had a story. Someone called my office where I where I work. And I was speaking to this woman who was not Jewish. And she said to me, like, oh, I'm like, how did you get our number? I'm like, you live in Maryland. This is Pennsylvania. So she's like, oh, I, you know, you're Jewish. I put it into Google, Jewish synagogue. And I guess somehow um, the synagogue I work for came up. And in her mind, doesn't make a difference. It could have been in Timbuktu. You know, there's a Jewish person over here, the Jewish person over there. We're all connected. So the way that the nations of the world view us is as one. So shouldn't we also view that as one? That Because we're, 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 we are as one. You know, this is a situation where they're right. We are one. And we have to look at ourselves like that. We're not, you know, orthodox, conservative, reform, and break ourselves up like that. A Jew is a Jew is a Jew and we're all together and we're all one and even if we don't agree all the time we have to at least be united and come together because when we have that achtos we have that togetherness it ultimately brings about the ultimate salvation from Hashem and merits us the protection that we all desperately need. So that's going to do it for today's podcast I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments or would like to reach out Please feel free to send me an email at rabbi shlomo Cohen, kohn at gmail.com. Have a great day.